authoritarian is an analytically useless concept. It's just an inflammatory label used to shut down debate. Okay, so guess the term. Some scholarly works of history and political theory use it in specific and coherent ways, but almost no one else does. Instead, its primary role in our discourse is to demonize political opponents and shut down debate by vaguely invoking the memory of Nazi Germany and other violent repressive regimes. So in this use, it appeals to a concept that's just too vague and subjective to explain or describe anything. In this use, it never moves the conversation forward or contributes to any kind of substantive analysis. And this term seems to be favored in practice by bomb-throwing demagogues and juvenile college partisans who just want to vilify people and ideas without actually engaging in meaningful criticism. If the word that comes to mind here is fascist, then you've undoubtedly heard a Republican talk at some point in the last six years, because delegitimizing de this term has been a major project on the right since at least 2015. But curiously, this description is even a better fit for a term that it's almost never applied to, authoritarian. As with fascist, there is indeed a kind of relatively obscure literature that defines the term authoritarian in ways that are specific and rigorous enough to be useful. But if fascism in its technical definition is an endangered species in our discourse, meaningful use of authoritarian is virtually extinct. As we usually encounter in the discourse, Authoritarian is just analytically useless. It brings to mind these images of Nazis barking orders and Big Brother propagandizing on the big screen. And these comparisons are going to understandably trigger a fight-or-flight reflex in decent people. But it gives us no real way to evaluate whether these comparisons are fair or reasonable. Understood literally, any imaginable form of authority sensible or unreasonable, beneficial or malevolent, legitimate or illegitimate, trivial or expansive, they can all be related to history's greatest monsters insofar as both are authoritarian. So let's consider another point in common with fascism and authoritarian. Both of them suffer less from a lack of definition than from a kind of surplus of definitions. As there are almost as many authoritarianisms as there are political traditions. And that means that even though they use the same term, they're often describing very different and often incompatible ideas. Now let's look at some of them. First you have the Frankfurt School, right? They use authoritarian to describe a certain kind of personality, or really a kind of psychological complex. Its political and cultural expressions are often quite unpredictable and even innocuous, so interest in astrology, for example, is authoritarian according to the Frankfurt School, and it can be directly related with the rise of early 20th century fascism. In fact, the Frankfurt School occasionally uses the terms authoritarian and fascist interchangeably, 
And that brings us to a kind of broader tendency. So, second example here, particularly in the immediate aftermath of the Holocaust, you get this whole genre of writers like not just the Frankfurt School, but Arendt and Orwell, who set out to explain the horrors of early 20th century fascism as a problem of a certain kind of authority that has certain kinds of powers and features. So, in What is Authority, for example, Arendt objects to the liberal confusion of authority with tyranny and of legitimate power with violence, she writes. But she then insists that she doesn't have in mind, quote, authority in general, but rather a very specific form, end quote. And you read what she's getting at here, and it's plain that she has in mind these uh, early 20th century problems of fascist regimes that she's still grappling with. So Arendt says that she's not talking about authority in general, but the anarchist tradition, of course, makes that its central concern. So here's a third example. Um, Though even among anarchists, the takes are notoriously diverse, right? So Noam Chomsky, for example, Uh, He insists that there are cases where authority can be justified, and he even specifically argues that, quote, the state provides devices to constrain the much more dangerous forces of private power, end quote. Uh, Proudhon, he he writes that authority, government, power, state, these words all denote the same thing. There will be no liberty to in the political catechism, the renunciation of authority shall have replaced faith in authority. Okay, so you have some anarchists who talk about authority as if it's a thing that can be justified, at least circumstantially, and then you have a tradition of like very radical critiques that say the authority can in no situation be justified at all. So now finally, here's a fourth example. Uh, Contrast with Chomsky, you have these libertarians and objectivists who argue that private power shouldn't be understood as any kind of authority at all, Uh, that capitalism is in fact a direct expression of liberty. It's people voluntarily associating with each other, right? Authoritarianism, according to them, should be exclusively understood as a problem of state power, particularly when it imposes itself on capitalism. So I've talked about four different sort of concepts of authoritarian authoritarianism here, and there's no real through line in any of them. Or, you know, if there is, it's utterly trivial. It's just sort of talking about cartoonishly evil, uh, uncontroversially uh, tyrannical regimes like, again, uh, Hitler's or these dystopian sci-fi fictional regimes. They don't have anything in common, but it's revealing, I think, that in conversations about authoritarianism, you rarely see any effort at all to establish a shared intellectual framework about what authoritarianism is, to build any kind of consensus. Um, in fact, you, people rarely even clarify what framework they're operating in. So, for example, 
when the objectivist casually refers to taxes as authoritarian, this isn't a real attempt to communicate some underlying analysis that one can accept or reject. It's not any different from when an objectivist refers to taxes as fascists, which they also do sometimes. Both of these are much better understood as just kind of rhetorical exercises and guilt by association with these repressive regimes, right? But even when it comes from perspectives other than objectivism or libertarianism, authoritarian usually suffers from the same kind of general problem. Disagreements about whether something is authoritarian usually express a conflict between different political perspectives that underlies this argument. But instead of talking about those perspectives directly and sort of working out the points of disagreement or maybe even resolving them into some kind of agreement, the speaker just assumes them or assumes one particular framework, his political, his ideological framework in the way that he uses authoritarian. And then he just expects his critics to accept it. So one final sort of point I want to make about this term authoritarian. Within capitalism, it seems to play a special role. So since it vaguely gestures towards some kind of abstract in general problem that can afflict both public and private power, it seems in that sense ideologically neutral. It exists outside these petty dogmatisms of capitalism and socialism alike. And for this same reason, descriptions of the state as authoritarian end up suggesting a false equivalence with the authoritarianism of private power, as if both of these are the same kinds of things in consequence and in the way they're justified and so on. So look at contemporary debates about COVID vaccination requirements, for example. And, you know, they routinely suggest that a mandate imposed by the state is authoritarian in the same sense as a requirement imposed by a private employer. And yet, even as you have this kind of false equivalence, the libertarian account of authoritarianism is still ideologically dominant. So, by default, our discourse usually proceeds as if there really is no such thing as private authority. Within capitalism, everyone's associating voluntarily, and you can move on to a new job, or advance to a higher position, or find another business to patronize at your leisure. So you aren't really subject to anybody's authority, not even your bosses. And to the extent that authoritarianism has infected the private sector, this is always sort of understood as a problem of state authority insofar as it's acknowledged at all. So this dystopian menace of employers demanding vaccinations that you see a lot of people talking about now, they really only started talking about it and it really only started making headlines once you had Joe Biden talking about the possibility that the government would require employers to do this. So before then, when you had employers requiring their employees in some cases to get vaccinated or to do other similar things like wear masks or whatever, you didn't have this uproar about the tyranny of workers being forced to do things they don't want to do or getting fired if they don't. In any case, 
I think there are always much more rigorous and productive ways to talk about these kinds of problems. So when we're talking about the private sector, for example, we can get all kinds of insight into the power dynamics going on and the roles of various actors within a system of authority if we specifically talk about capitalism. So if you have a problem with employer vaccination requirements, you can talk about how this is really just what happens when workers do not control the means of production and have to bow to the will of some rich capitalist who does. When we're talking about the state and authoritarianism in the state, we can talk specifically about whether and how state authority is diverging from a democratic mandate, or we can talk about whether some right to not be vaccinated or say a right to free speech or whatever should outweigh theories of what the common good would be. None of these conversations have to resort to this vague rhetoric about authoritarianism as if it really explains anything. In fact, I think that when you see that term emerge, it's often a good sign that these substantive conversations that you could have are being avoided in favor of this hyperbolic demonizing attack on the state.